This is essential. 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 This is essential audio. Welcome to the Money Pot. I'm Sanjeev Kalida, editor in chief at Money 2020, and I'm here with Rachel Morrissey, our executive producer. How are you, Rach? Not doing too bad, Sanjeev. Considering that I am back on the East Coast, it was so nice to be out west in open spaces. It will be good to get out there in October. Yep, get into the desert and feel some big sky. Although I was just in Dubai, so I was in a lot of desert with a lot of sky already. Globetrotter that you are, you just ran off to Dubai. <laughs> yep, I, I had a great week with my wife's family out there. I couldn't get away from fintech though. I was purchasing some saffron from a shop in old Dubai and noticed that the shop manager was looking at the prices of various cryptocurrencies. So we chatted and bonded about that, which was completely unexpected. So you were in the process of buying one of the most expensive spices, a portable store of value, and you started talking about digital stores of value. I kind of love that. <laughs> yeah, it was funny and unexpected. So on this show, we have talked a lot about digitization, or you know, on banks becoming cloud-based. And in our own FinTech 2.0, you predict that all of the banks will be cloud-based in the next five years. There really isn't a choice. We are at a point where any bank not running that way simply won't be able to offer services necessary to compete. And there is a side of this that we haven't spoken about. As banks use the cloud and go digital first, I mean their need for branches will decrease. What are you talking about? The death of branches is so 2014. <laughs> I know. I know, but that also means that smaller banks can have larger digital footprints, and not as many banks will be needed. We're already seeing that play out in the rate of bank consolidation across both the EU and the U.S. I mean, right now there are about five thousand community banks in the U.S. That number is going to drastically reduce in the next couple of years, with a lot of banks being bought by the bigger guys. A lot of mergers and a number of them being bought by fintech insurgents. I mean, we've seen that with Lending Club and SoFi and a few others. I myself have gone through some bank consolidations, and let me tell you, they're not a simple process. Not only do you have to think about how to combine all of your organizational, physical, and technical infrastructure, but you also have to think about how the different cultures mix, how the businesses might have different hierarchies, different approaches to working. It's like making a cake. You make the mix with too much of one ingredient, and everything goes wrong. You could end up with a liquidy mess or a loaf that's denser than a brick. Yeah, a mix of ingredients is a pretty good way of looking at it. And although we're not giving you an exact recipe for cake making or or consolidations, we thought it'd be good to if we spoke with someone who's going through the consolidation process and digitizing at the same time in order to learn from them. So Truist Bank was formed by a merger of SunTrust and BB&T, two regional banks in the Mid-Atlantic area, and we spoke with two of their team that have led both transitions while weathering a pandemic. All right. So rather than the Great British Baking Show, we're doing the Great American SunTrust BB&T Banking Merger Show, <laughs> or GAST BBTBMA. For short. Okay, well, that definitely needs some work, but yeah, in a way, we are. I'm Dante Wilson, the Chief Digital and Client Experience Officer for Truist. Scott Case,、uh, I'm the Chief Information Officer for Truist. Dante and Scott have followed the best practices and 
are a great case study for how to approach these issues. When we spoke to them, they made it clear that they wanted to use the best of each of their skill sets, combining the ideas of business first approach with a tech forward approach. And even though we wanted to talk through the technical elements, they made it very clear that the foundation is in company culture. And since they were merging two different cultures and trying to advance them, they were very deliberate in their approach. The first work we did when we were putting the company together before we even closed the deal was spent on uh, purpose, mission, and values and deciding what was going to be for Truist. Uh, not bringing forward necessarily SunTrust or BB&T's values, purpose, and mission, but really writing the words. We ran a great uh, interaction with all of our teammates participated in focus groups and surveys. And so they helped co-create our new purpose, mission, and values. And so things like you heard Scott talk about care. Uh, caring is a, uh, a value of ours. You talked about trust. Trustworthy is a value of ours. He described how teams come together. One team is one of our values. And our other two values are success and happiness. And so uh, we're very sure and, and very committed and intentional about uh, the culture because culture wins. It beats strategy. It beats tactics. It beats it all. And, and, and you have to model it from the top and everybody has to be engaged. I love that they use the language of teams because it is at the heart of building a culture that expects the best from everyone and wants the best for all their employees and clients. I've spoken to Dion Lyle so many times about this issue. Dion works on helping community banks make these transitions, and his opinion is culture is king. It determines everything else, but the culture they're building is also very tech forward. Unlike many small banks, they're embracing this transformation so much that they call themselves a cloud shop. They do, but they are taking a hybrid approach as they move forward instead of trying to move all their operations to the cloud. When I think about cloud, it's a toolkit that brings these capabilities along with it in many cases. But in, the, in a company of our size and scale, both of our legacy companies that form Truist, uh, BB&T and SunTrust, have been around for a long time. So we're bringing along certain technologies that uh, may not be ready for cloud computing, so we have to leverage um, different ways of processing our data and distributing the data safely. So I think it's a mixture of techniques. Cloud architecture and cloud computing is a tool in the toolkit. While this approach makes sense, the danger is that what isn't dealt with in the cloud could get left behind forever. Also, you have to be very sure you're prioritizing all the functions that you need in the cloud. I sometimes wonder if taking a hybrid approach is more work and more worry in the long run. I mean, sometimes it's just better to be all in. It's a bit like trying to take a large sheet cake recipe and simply scaling it down to cupcakes. Cupcakes, like cloud instances, are smaller versions of the big thing. In this case, a big cake or a mainframe. If you simply scale down without thinking about baking times and temperature, you'll end up with bricks. Similarly, with cloud, you need to think about resources, you need to think about scalability, you need to think about things in different ways than you would with mainframe computers. I think that analogy takes the cake. Scott actually talks about the difference in timing between mainframe and clouds, or in your vernacular, cupcake clouds. Mmm, cupcake clouds sound really delicious. Cloud computing, cloud architecture gives us a lot of that throughput speed as we move from designing solutions to implementing them for our clients. Uh, a lot of tools in the toolkit come with that, whether it's you know a high level of automation, 
a lot of API frameworks that we can pick up and leverage through different cloud patterns and solutions. And candidly, it, it strengthens many of our controls. So it helps from a risk management standpoint when we leverage cloud appropriately. So, you know, when we talk, we are definitely a cloud computing shop. Uh, it's like I said, not fit for purpose for everything. In many cases, the uh, applications may not be factored and able to leverage cloud and there's work to be done to get it there. So we're pretty deliberate and intentional about where, where we use and where we don't, but, but it's definitely part of our, our toolkit. So they wanted to get moving along the process as quickly as possible. And one of the ways they did that was to remove a lot of the approval processes, instead handing a lot of the control to the people with their fingers on the button, so to speak. So we've had a lot of the basic concepts that allowed us to mature to that, like being agile, being client-centric, but really moving to a client uh, journey type of structure means that we have all of our product owners, our engineers, your folks from legal, your folks from compliance, all in the same room that's empowered, that have complete decision rights to make decisions on priorities of product development and iteratively release value to clients on an ongoing basis. So it's no waterfalls, no committees that have to get approval. This structure proved invaluable in the pandemic. You know, we've heard it a lot over the past year or so with businesses who were dipping their toe in being digital first or even part digital, being able to effectively dive right in and ride the wave of digital only because they were in the right place at the right time. And that was the case here. They went much further down their planned roadmap due to necessity. I've actually heard this before from multiple banks where the heads of organizations moving trillions of dollars daily saying that the pandemic made them realize how much more they could accomplish once they got out of their own way. I'm sure so many of us have felt that frustration of knowing you could get so much done if you didn't have to go through several layers of approvals above you. No comment. Well, regardless, we've heard too many cooks spoil the broth. I definitely think that too many bakers could absolutely ruin a cake. Oh yeah, 100%. And that's why you have a recipe and not just a recipe as we normally would imagine, but a recipe with a very defined objective and clear instructions of who is responsible for what part. I mean, that way you don't end up with three different people adding three times the required amount of baking soda. Likewise, with creating smart experiences for banking, Dante and his team used a basic set of principles to guide their approach. We use a design thinking approach, which you all are very, very familiar with. That starts with empathy. Really, you know, what are clients going through? Then we go to research. Are we researching or what is their you know, the solutions that may be possible to solve the needs that they have. We go through ideation process, go to testing, and then after you do your testing, we scale it. And so that's how those partnerships really come together. But it really starts with the client first, and then it goes back to what solutions tech-wise and digital we need to solve those problems. One of the reasons why I like their approach to cloud is that there's an opportunity to optimize for customers. For example, when you're baking a large cake, you can't customize it too much because so many people will eat it. But with cupcakes, you can optimize for different client needs and preferences. So not only do you have the personal clients, but you also have the business clients. We have 15 million clients. Over a million of those are commercial business clients, and we've seen them migrate in a more uh, expeditious way, demanding those same type of features and functionality to be delivered. And really, the new expectation is not really what banks are doing, but it's what others in the industries are doing. They can get you know, telehealth care, they can have their food delivered through 
the, the food providers that you order online or mobily and have that show up on your doorstep. And that is exactly where having the recipe in personal banking now has to be applied in all the business sectors. Everyone who suddenly had to run their business remotely needed the tools that had already been made available to them in their personal accounts. Yeah, that makes sense. And thinking about our own company, Money 2020 is technically a B2B events company, but we never approach how we share content as a business talking to another business. There's always a human on the receiving end of how we communicate with our customers. Likewise, with a bank account. So why would you treat a business account differently than a personal account? Which is why we make podcasts with strange analogies about baking cakes rather than just sending spreadsheets with lots of zeros and ones in them. Humans like podcasts and analogies and cake. I do like cake. (laughs) I recently had a conversation with some high-priced consultants who felt that the new urgency for these tools in business was generationally driven. But Scott thinks they're driven more by the tech itself. You know, to me, a couple of things to think about there would be the interconnectivity of this world we live in and the speed of which data can be processed now. Those types of technical um, you know, phenomenons are, are what's really driving the, this, this uh, client behavior patterns to, to where it is. I think COVID over the last year, just also to Dante's point, accelerated this as, as our world kind of moved to remote working and, uh, you know, accessing services digitally. Uh, that's only emphasized uh, those behavior patterns. From my experience at City and Google, accessibility plays a big role in the adoption of new technologies. I think that young people are able to be early adopters of new tech because they're flexible. They haven't cemented their habits yet, whereas older people often have more solidified habits and are less willing to change them. But some of the best and widest adopted tech is tech which fits seamlessly into pre-existing habits and routines, which can be picked up by young people and older people alike. And regardless of this, I think being an early adopter is an attitude that exists throughout the generations, not just within the 18 to 24 age group. And that insight was made clear to Dante and Scott as they dealt with clients' demands during the pandemic. So business clients have traditionally got most of their servicing, uh, particularly on the lending side, done to a relationship manager. So there was a higher value on the human contact. Well, now that we've seen that the business client has embraced the virtual. We knew that would come over time. That's just the maturity. Retail goes forward and commercial over time. But now the commercial clients are continuing to want that and want more digitally. And so that relationship value is uh, is equal now, where it was a higher bogey on relationship manager and a little bit less on the tech as far as uh, taking application for lending, for example. Now it's about equal. That I expect your tech abilities to be equal to relationship management. Now your relationship isn't only in person, even when it is a business. You need a relationship with a client through all your channels. And when it's in person, you should bring cake. You know, after all this talk about cake, I'm feeling pretty hungry. I think I'm going to go make myself a Victoria sponge or a Black Forest gateau or a millefui. Okay, you go bake those. I'm going to go get a honey bun from the local bodega. And that is it for this episode of The Money Pot. We'd like to thank Dante Wilson and Scott Case from Truist for giving us their insights. We would also like to thank the master chef of our little universe, Roland Bodenham. And we can't wait to see you in Amsterdam. 
Tickets are available now for Money 2020 Live in Amsterdam on September 21st through the 23rd and in Las Vegas from October 24th through the 27th. And tickets to both shows are available at money2020.com. If you like the money pot, please leave us a review in iTunes to help others find the show. This podcast will also be live in Vegas. So tell us how much you want to be a part of it by sending ideas to podcast at money2020.com. And thank you for listening. This is Essential. 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 This is Essential Audio.